0: Welcome to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Piper, America's Land Auctioneer. I want to welcome all of you to the show today. In studio today, a great friend of mine, Tom Campbell. Tom Campbell from Grafton, North Dakota and Fargo, North Dakota. Tom, how are you doing?
1: Doing great, Kevin. Great to be here. Good
0: to, yeah. yeah, thank you for being here. Appreciate it. I'm going to be talking to Tom here in a little bit. Tom is uh, has a great background and in one of the great entrepreneurs in our part of the country and a great American, obviously. But uh, going to talk a little bit about Tom's journey and story, and uh, uh, from farming and production agriculture to banking and real estate investments and all that he has to offer and advice he has for young people too uh, to take risk and manage risk and. Uh, see if you can uh, somehow uh, take up the challenge of being that great entrepreneur that he's been over the years. Folks, uh, the group at Pfeiffer's sponsors this show, Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty and Pfeiffer's Land Management. I want to thank them. And, boy, they have been having quite a fall. Uh, selling farmland throughout the entire region, all the way from Madison, Wisconsin, to Mankato, Minnesota, over to Grand Forks County, and all throughout North Dakota and into Montana and down into South Dakota, Iowa, and Nebraska. So again, uh, Tom, kind of hard to believe when you think about it. We were talking last week on America's Land Auctioneer that uh, when the Federal Reserve came out with their reports on farmland values, and this is out of all the three major districts in our part of the country, the Minneapolis, Chicago, and Kansas City Federal Reserve districts that reported farmland values were up about 12%. And we kind of looked at that first time. We thought by ourselves at pifers we were thinking, man, those seem kind of high. But then all of a sudden we got into the fall sales at Piper's, and all of a sudden we're near record all-time highs again. Uh, the largest increase in farmland values since, since 2013 and 14. Kind of hard to believe, isn't it?
1: it? It is, but it isn't. Just the last week at John Scott's funeral that same day you had some stuff, uh, a little, a few miles north of Forest River for uh, a record price, about 1500 or $2,000 more than everybody thought. So that's great news. You know, low interest rates, high commodity prices seem to be driving that. Uh, people always, sometimes farmers forget that we didn't have much of a yield in some cases, but, uh, <laughs> you, it's, it's still just blows my mind how these, uh, commodity or the land prices are, are, seem to be so
0: high. Kind of incredible, really, when you think about it for many, many years, uh, uh, well, well for 20 years basically from late 80s on it seemed like land values just really didn't do much of anything raised two or three percent and didn't really go up much and uh, you know for a while there we were thinking geez are we ever going to see a breakout in farmland values then we started seeing them in 03 and 04 and 05 and a little bit of a setback in 08 but then after that after the financial collapse of 08 uh, things really took off I mean we saw double-digit increases for four or five years, and they, they really took off. And then, you know, obviously after 2014 and 15, uh, land values uh, pretty much plateaued. And it actually dropped a little bit. But now, uh, I don't know. I, I'm a little surprised. You don't seem as surprised as I am that land values are, are really soaring again. Isn't it incredible when you think about it?
1: There's, there's a lot of money on the sidelines. <clears throat> and as Bert Johnson always said, they don't make any more land, and a lot of people like to diversify their, their uh, investments with it. Um, they don't really... Care about those higher returns they can get in some other things, and uh, two or three four percent is fine because it's it's a good hard asset. And just that sale, I know that individual bought that. I called him and gave him a hard time about it. And that's his kind of mentality was. Uh, hey, you know he's he's got <clears throat> uh, he's not going to have to make a living on that investment, and he just likes dirt, and a lot of people like that. And uh, and he's not a farmer; he's renting it out to somebody. So I find it that those people they never seem to uh, end. They're always out there. So that's going to hold hold the value up. And it makes it hard for some new farmers that have to try to cash flow that, which is impossible.
0: Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. And you know, when you think about it, you brought up a good point. It's, it's a hard asset and really, you know, you know, and again, I know you're one of the, the original investors and the driving force behind Choice Financial Corporation, Choice Financial Banks, and another uh, great entrepreneurial story in North Dakota. Uh, but again, when you look at it, lenders, they like to, they like to lend money. Uh, to borrowers on hard assets and land is about as hard an asset as you can get and obviously if you if you wanted to borrow money and you went to the bank with collateral there's probably no better asset to collateralize than land
1: mm-hmm. no that's for sure it, it's a uh, probably the, the top number one you know hard asset that there is uh, it's uh, it's not going anywhere and it's uh it's very liquid there's always somebody'll buy it so it's a good hard asset. I can't think of any other hard asset other than a CD or cash. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be pretty much it, right?
0: Maybe some gold bullion or or, uh, some silver bullion or something like that. You know, also in studio is my co-host today, American Wine Girl from uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, the wine educator at Pippin Hill. Carolyn mm-hmm. Pfeiffer, how you doing Carolyn?
2: I'm good, it's good to be in studio
0: Yep, thank you for being here Now it's a couple weeks in a row, three weeks in a row And, uh, yes. and good to see Tom Campbell, isn't it?
2: Yeah, always <laughs> good to see Tom It's yeah. good to be here
0: Yeah, And
1: well, learned well, something about wine today
0: Yeah, what? that's awesome, yeah well, she, uh, Carolyn, does a great job, and I'm glad she agreed to co-host the show today. Folks, we got a lot of topics we want to touch uh, base with Tom on, but uh, Carolyn, you and I have talked about this, even though you're way out in Virginia there and in, in a different part of the country, but the drought we've had here. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we're going to ask Tom Campbell a lot of questions about how that all has affected agriculture this year because uh, Campbell Farms, obviously, uh, you know, famous for a lot of different things. Uh, they they had Grandma Campbell's potato chips, the kettle chips, before everybody else be, basically had them. And uh, you know, we used to buy the big white tubs of uh, uh, Grandma Campbell's oh, kettle yeah, potato I remember chips. Those. Remember those? Yeah. And we used to have them, so We used to have them stacked empty, twenty high in the pantry. And yeah. uh, that's what we did with them <laughs> those all. <were> so good. <laughs> yeah, they were amazing. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, everybody's into the kettle chips, but the Campbell brothers, they. Uh, they basically started that in our particular region. But again, the Campbell Farms in Grafton, North Dakota, Walsh County, and over into Big Lake, Minnesota, coming off of, coming off of harvest over there. So again, early planting over in Big Lake, Minnesota, and then an early harvest. Uh, how did things go in Big Lake this year for harvest?
1: Um, we just finished up about a week ago. It went pretty good. It's irrigated sand, so the production risks are always limited there. Uh, we always get a pretty good yield. Um, the market risk is always something different. It started off pretty well and it kind of tapered out in the average range. Um, so we had an overall pretty good year there. Um, we're in North Dakota now. We're, we're one of the few wash plants that are going. A lot of the guys, a lot of our competitors don't start their wash plants up until they're down to sugar beets. And, uh, so the markets, the demand is huge. Uh, the market, the prices is, is pretty good. 18 to $20 in Red A's and, uh, uh, the transportation shortage right now for over-the-road trucks is really tight and then labor is tight in the shed. So we've got, this always seems to be something, so we're fighting with uh, with that right now. It's uh, it's just never-ending to have labor shortage and truck shortage right now.
0: Well, it's interesting, too, with the price of fuel and everything. I mean, somebody's eventually going to pay for the uh, additional trucking and cost for transportation, and it's usually going to be the end consumer, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Well, we've part-
1: been, ever since Big Lake, we've been paying, you know, a dollar to $2 more running mile, so that the rates are... Unbelievably, usually you pass that on in many cases to the <clears throat> to the buyer, and it, it goes to the consumer. But not always. We eat some of that stuff, and uh, certain instances just to move it. But it's just crazy, and it just seems to be getting worse. Especially up in you know Minneapolis, that Big Lake area. It's it's more of a hub. It's tough to get. It's easy to get trucks back to a, re- uh, a back haul to Minneapolis area, three and a half million people are But up in our area in the winter time in the North Dakota area, a lot of guys are deadheading from Minneapolis, so it's, the rates are higher, and it's just more of a challenge, especially in the winter.
0: That that's been a good strategic uh, farm for you guys, hasn't it, Big Lake?
1: It is. It, it fits a nice little niche. yeah. Uh, you know, we come off two months before our North Dakota farms, so it's uh, we get a uh, little jump on the markets and stuff. So we like it.
0: Nice Carolyn, I don't know. know if you caught this or not, but earlier Tom said he talked about production risk. So mm-hmm. the the risks of production of producing a crop, and then he talked about market risk. You know, in your business too, you see a lot of that production risk, and especially with the investment that you have in viticulture a tremendous production risk and but then also there's a market risk too uh with the fluctuation of the 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 cost of grapes obviously and then Mm -hmm. what what the wineries are willing to pay you over there too so you know similarly uh what you have going on at pippin hill winery and what campbell farms have in the potato you guys you know share a lot of a lot of risk management don't you
2: yeah there's definitely a lot of risk into it and um a lot of money and I know it It takes a while, especially with the grapes and vineyards to see a return on your investment, but that's just how it is. And it, it depends on the year and yeah, it's kind of crazy.
0: You know, it's not, it's not all the romantic part of, you know, having this really nice vineyard. You actually have to manage it, yeah. don't you? I mean, there's a lot a that lot. goes into it and, you know, much like raising a potato crop. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we talked earlier and I have another friend in the potato business uh, you know, irrigated potatoes. You know, you could you could easily have three thousand dollars or more into an acre of irrigated potatoes before you harvest, couldn't you, Tom?
1: Yes, that's and then another twenty five hundred into the uh, wash plant production and
0: so. isn't that something? When you think about it, that's a crazy amount of capital investment into one crop, mm-hmm. and that's an annual crop, not a perennial like a mm-hmm. like a vine- vineyard.
1: Yep. I I like your crop, Marilyn. You can, Mm -hmm. the longer you store it, the more value goes up. In our case, it's the other way around. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. We don't get more money when we hang on to it. Yeah. (laughs) You got to ship it right away, right? Yeah. Well, the stuff in storage is okay, but once you wash it, you got about maybe, you know, 20 to 40 days or so in in uh, Mm. either the restaurant chains or the uh, uh, grocery stores.
0: You want you want to get it out into the marketplace as quickly as you can. Yes, right? we do. Yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. Well, the potato industry, which you and your family, have been a part of for a long time. Is uh, there's there's a lot of risk. And uh, I remember one time here uh, we had Gary Secor, the plant pathologist at NDSU, on with us, and he talked about all of the diseases and all the potential that things that could go wrong in field or in storage with potatoes. And it's like over a hundred different things that could go wrong with all the different diseases and. Uh, all, the, all the adversity that you face, it's, it's an unbelievably sensitive crop to not only raise, to harvest and to store.
1: We've been growing for 44 years now, and uh, there's nothing. Every year I learn something new, and it's always the old farmer's favorite saying is that uh, next year will be better, but it's just amazing still finding new different things, uh, experiences, uh, and it's just it's a never-ending learning experience.
0: Yeah, and it's a it's a big staple in, obviously, the diet of Americans, but it's a big crop up in our part of the country, uh, Minnesota, North Dakota. You know, it, it used to be all dry land, but now a lot of irrigation too, isn't there, Tom, throughout the whole area?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, but in the fresh in our area, we had a little bit of pond irrigation, but most of it's still dry land. That's the outer areas that uh, have the uh, irrigation for primarily simplot and, and French fry production.
0: Folks, are listening to America's Land Auctioneer, Tom Campbell, with us here today, and um, the American wine girl, Carolyn Pfeiffer, co-hosting today. Folks, our sponsors today are Pifer's Auction and Realty and Pifer's Land Management. You can get a hold of any of their Pifer's Land Managers or Pifer's Equipment and Land Auctioneers and Farm Real Estate Agents. You can call them at 877 700 or you can email them at info at pifers.com. You can email me there too or you can go to their website at pifers.com. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. We'll be right back after this
3: break $1,000, $50,000 where $1,750 here now too sold your way for 1750 $1,750
0: Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. I want to thank all of you for joining us here again today. we got a great show here lined up today. Co-hosting today is the American Wine Girl, Carolyn Pfeiffer, back in studio and back home to the Dakotas. How are you doing, Carolyn?
2: I'm great.
0: That's great. How are you enjoying all the good food back home here?
2: It's been great. The steaks you made were fantastic. I made some potatoes last night and some broccoli. It was a good dinner. Tom it's Campbell,
0: okay. you got to be proud of her. She made potatoes. Isn't oh, that great? Okay.
2: I did, with lots of butter. It was delicious.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got the dairy, the potato, and the beef. We got everything covered on that meal, didn't we? A
2: good North Dakota meal. And we
0: had some homegrown vegetables <laughs> from some friends, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, some
2: peppers. That yeah, was yummy. Those
0: were pretty awesome, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We got a lot of ground we want to cover today with Tom Campbell, one of the great entrepreneurs in North Dakota history, obviously, and uh, one of the big pushes pushers behind uh, the development of Choice Bank way back when. And uh, I want to talk to Tom a little bit and get his take on where we are now. We talked uh, last week about interest rates and how that affects uh, the residential, commercial, and agricultural markets. And Tom, you know, we're in an interesting lending environment and borrowing environment, obviously, for those people who want to borrow money to buy land or capital purchases or whatever it might be, but where do you think this interest rate uh, curve and this interest rate environment is going to end up by the end of the year and going into next year?
1: I think it's going to kind of stay <clears throat> relatively the same. It, it I just, it, it really can't go up too much because of the world the amount of debt going around and, goes uh, to the United States and uh, you know college kids and so forth. So I think it's going to kind of just hang around where it's at. Um, it's going to be interesting with this inflationary period we're going through. You know, the only way to control inflation is raising interest rates, and I feel we can't now. It throw the whole world in a financial tizzy in one day, so it's going to be real interesting to see. Um, and the Feds are still debating if they want to put more, you know, more trillions of dollars into the economy. I think we have too much now, but I think it's going to be just stable. I think for the most part, in my opinion,
0: it's interesting. You know, I heard somebody comment the other day. I think it was an economist. It actually might have been Dennis Gartman, whoever it was, who spoke at the Great Plains Land Expo that spoke for Pipers here a year or two ago, he said, you know, before too long, the Federal Reserve is going to take away the punch bowl. In other words, everybody's going to start paying a little bit more money for capital and for money. But, you know, in the short term, we're probably in a pretty good spot right now. If you want to buy land, if you want to purchase a home or whatever it might be, uh, you can lock in some pretty attractive rates, short term, long term. Uh, you know, you look at, pick up the paper, or go online, you can see all these attractive financing rates. Really, when you think about it, uh, pretty unbelievable, really. Uh, the access to reasonable capital right now what it costs you.
1: There's a lot of you know, aggressive banks and, and competitive rates, and it's uh, it's a good time to uh, finance things. Look at the look at everybody's been refinancing their homes for quite a few years, and it's uh it's a world of debt, and people continue to uh, borrow money at these rates, which is great. I remember in 1984, we built the warehouse for 18.5 percent interest. Prime was 21. We thought we got a deal at 18.5. I look back at that it just was insane and we thought nothing of it that's what we grew up in so this is like we get it's just like free money in essence you know isn't it crazy three to four percent is literally free money compared to what we grew up on
0: you know i think about well carolyn you and you and you and you
2: and yeah
0: you and Maurice just bought a home recently what'd you pay for your loan i
2: think ours was like three and a half i I think think it was like two and a half percent oh for real yeah 15
0: year what two and a half percent yeah so I mean, crazy! Can, can you imagine being Tom Compared Campbell paying 18 and a half? <laughs> that
2: is crazy. <laughs> it'd, be
0: hard, it'd be hard for young people to get ahead when it you think about really it. would be really hard, yeah. You, know, you think about it. We live in this, this era of low interest rates, and the uh, expansionary policy of the Federal Reserve is really kind of the take And what they've decided to do is expand the economy through low interest rates. And obviously, it's, it's working to a degree. Uh, will it catch up to us eventually? Who knows? I don't know.
1: That's a good question.
0: You know, I, I was listening uh, to a, a podcast recently uh, where they were talking about appraisals uh, on homes. Res- this was not on Farmland, residential homes, and how some of the appraisals now were coming in below the purchase price of the home that was being bought. So, again, uh, probably not a bad situation there because, again, that's what got us into trouble in 08 where we had appraisals that were, the appraisals were way above, you know, and underwriting got a little loose and that type of thing. So again, um, I would say, you know, a, a fair appraisal uh, and objective appraisal is something that we need in, in the industry, whether it's residential, commercial, or farmland or whatever it is. We just don't want to get into a credit underwriting situation that we had in 08. Uh, we need discipline and integrity in the system that makes it work. And I know as a lender, you know, you, you're the, would still continue to be one of the main driving forces behind choice. You want, you want to see that in place. Cause we don't want to go back to what happened in 08. Yeah.
1: Well, that was a whole different, you know, it was led from the West coast with some bankers that were a lot of people stepping into, you know, buying three, four hundred thousand dollar homes with virtually no income or working in McDonald's. And then they were <clears throat> pulling those hoops and selling them abroad. So that was, that was just a time bomb waiting to happen. And I think now with the uh, the banking industry is a little bit tighter. The auditors are watching us. I don't think that'll happen again. I just, I hope it doesn't, but
0: yeah, it, it created a lot of uncertainty in the market, obviously a lot of upheaval. And, uh, but again, maybe we're in that situation now, hopefully with, with uh, the housing costs starting from what I understand, lumber, lumber has come down quite a bit. The timber, timber and lumber industry working together. Now the, the processing part of the timber portion starting to come down significantly, almost to pre COVID levels. So, Hopefully, when that starts washing through the system a little bit more, uh, homes will become a little bit more affordable, especially to first-time home buyers. And then, obviously, if these interest rates, even if interest rates, you know, two and a half, three percent 3% is low. But even if they can stay around 35 to 45 I mean, that's still pretty low historically and comparatively, don't you think? Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's
1: compared to what we came from, absolutely. And it, it may go up a few more bips. You know, theres I'm not saying it's going to be right at where it is, but it may go up a little bit, but nothing nothing that uh, we can't
0: handle because you can you can finance you can finance farmland purchase today at, at pretty re- I'm not going to give any quotes or anything but obviously I know what a lot of our uh, farmland buyers at Pyfers are paying for for interest rate and how they're financing at uh, unbelievably attractive rates and you can expand your farmland footprint uh, I'm not going to say easily today you still have to buy it right I mean you want to go in there and you want to pay a fair market price but if you can buy it at the number that works for you, and if you can finance that with a 20-year AM, with maybe a seven-year balloon, or however you want to do that with your annual payments. Uh, so again, there's ways that you can do that. Uh, you can go in with a, re, a decent loan-to-value percent. And and with some, if you have other collateral, obviously apply that to the new purchase. So really, if you can buy it right... F- Again, whether it's your young farmer or an older farmer, you can you can start expanding that operation now with these low interest rates.
1: That and too, some of the go- the government programs, the beginning farmer programs, and some banks are amortizing over you know twenty five, a lot of thirty years, which helps spreading that out. It's it's uh you don't want to make a uh, you know a bad loan look good because of doing that. But if you have a good loan and it works at twenty years. Do it over thirty years, and that that uh, puts a lot of people in the cash flow figures and a lot of different entities. You know, real estate's doing a lot of more and more of that, so that that helps. You know, as
0: a, as a you know you know basically you are a banker to a degree, even though you don't do it day in and day out as a president of a bankery, but used to be chairman of choice and and obviously one of the driving forces behind that. Do you see banking changing a lot in the next ten years, where you know we may not have uh, physical bank locations anymore? Did you, you see that kind of transitioning over the years?
1: Well, we you know I always pull up my cell phone that's that's the new bank <clears throat> and uh, um, you know more and more digital banking you know, the fintechs of the world but yet look at all the new banks coming up look at Grand Forks it's just you just shake your head figured it's, it's not a bricks and mortar society but <laughs> they keep coming up so I don't know I, I think you'll always have some of that but it's definitely moving it's you know, I do all my banking on my phone it's so easy it's, it's just phenomenal my son used to work at the bank in Grafton as a teller in high school and he's been in Minneapolis of course we have branches there now but he he didn't step into foot in the banking probably for like eight or nine years. And he just banked just kind of before it was really popular on his phone. And that's a trend of all the millennials and a lot of people, even our age, just, just do all their banking on the phone.
0: Even writing it, eating, writing out checks. A lot of people don't even write out checks anymore. Yeah.
1: Checks have become kind of an old fashioned thing, I think.
0: Yeah, exactly. I know. And then there's some people that like them. Obviously it's kind of, like, it's kind of like me. I like reading the newspaper. Uh, I do like reading uh, stories online or getting the news online, but it's always nice to have the newspaper in front of you too. Don't you think?
1: You know, I haven't written a newspaper. I've been online with three different newspapers every day forever. It's so handy, but I have not written, uh, you know, read a newspaper, the, you know, the old-fashioned way for, I bet you, three years. Well, but, you're
0: transitioning uh, pretty well. You're doing good.
1: Well, I <laughs> just, uh, I don't know, it's just easy. Wherever I'm at, they can read the, the Forum and the Bismarck and the Grand Forks Herald, and it's, it's kind of
0: handy. Well, things are certainly changing, that's for sure. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. Carolyn Pfeiffer, the American Wine Girls, the co host today. Our guest, Tom Campbell, is in studio. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer, sponsored by Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Land Management. You can get a hold of that great staff over there at 877 700 4099. You can contact any of the Pfeiffer's Equipment and Land Auctioneers or their farm real estate agents or their farmland managers. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back and now. to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. I want to thank you all again for joining us here today for the last portion of the show. We are having a great show and a great discussion today. The American wine girl, Carolyn Pfeiffer, is our co-host today from Charlottesville, Virginia. Glad she could join us. Uh, She recently made a trek back to her native North Dakota. Uh, She came back for a couple of days, so agreed to sit in studio with us, so we appreciate it. And our guest today, Tom Campbell, one of the great ones in North Dakota, great entrepreneur, farmer, and potato producer, obviously, one of the driving forces behind the development of Choice Banks, and also just, again, one of those great... Uh, American success stories when it comes to building a business and carrying it on to the next generation. Tom, we've been talking a lot about banking finance and raising crops and everything and all the good and the bad and the risk management and the rewards that, that go with it all. But, you know, one thing we haven't really touched on yet, and I know it's a concern for everybody in production agriculture, and that is the uh, sharp increase that we've seen recently in the cost of production of raising a crop.
1: Uh, fertilizers probably leads the pack right now. It's up a phenomenal amount and if you can even get it. We're pre-buying some stuff this fall for spring, uh, and uh, that's insane. That's up uh, just just for wheat next year, which we have to grow for rotation for potatoes. That's going to be probably one hundred seventy-five dollars an acre, which is up probably fifty to hundred. Well, it's just that's crazy. incredible increase. That's just a, a huge increase and uh, shortages of that. I don't know what's driving those shortages? But it makes you wonder sometimes. Um, they seem to be always ahead of us. So is it a shortage,
0: supply and demand, or I, is it manipulation, or what do we got going on in the fertilizer market? Uh, you know, I we guess, don't know.
1: I don't know, but it, they know that they're going to use X amount. So it's I think it's more manipulation, but I don't know that for sure. But but everything's up. Uh, you know, thank goodness the commodity prices are up, but yet they're offset. One of our landlords uh, that, that farms in one of our operations, the uh, the corn and soybeans off potatoes, and he was complaining about he's irrigated, so he had pretty good yields. And I was giving him a hard time. Go, oh gosh, you know, irrigated corn and soybeans with these commodity prices you are ringing the bell. And right away he says, Oh, Lonnie. He said, you know, his fertilizers up for next year. He's got to, he, he buys a lot of that in the fall for next year. Um, labor's up two to $4 an hour. Our housing's up for, for our, our employees, um, fuels up. So we, we sat down on a napkin and we were figuring it out. And really he's, he, he kind of sketched himself back into kind of an average year. With these commodity prices, you never guess that. Plus, you know, you put that in the dry land areas, um, all those costs are up. But in many areas, you know, the dry double bean yields are horrible. A lot of five and six and eight bag stuff. Um, our potatoes were down about a fourth to a third. Um, hopefully the prices will offset that. But uh, um, sugar beet guys look like they're going to get some more extra tonnage and uh, with, with these rains. But at the end of the day, um, we need these commodity prices up just to maybe be back at, at average or maybe a little bit better than average year. Because of our cost of productions, everything up. And, and what's what's always ironic is that when um, everything, when the commodity prices go down, usually the land and land rents do. We, we heard what happened to one of the land rents going on next week or last week when a guy that purchased it. He wanted his three percent return. So you know, if you work that backwards, you know what that's doing to land rent. And there's just people waiting in line for good land. So our cost productions up. <clears throat> Thank goodness we got commodity prices that are up. But just they, I just hope they would stay up because uh, we know what when when the when the commodity prices come down, everything usually kind of stays up. Nothing comes down. Land rents don't come down. They never have. Um, so it, it's going to be a challenge, continuing challenge. And I'm not complaining. I'm just stating the facts. Is that you know um, a lot of people forget that, especially in the dryland this year. Where there's a lot of a lot of people in a lot of areas, or in the whole state of North Dakota, where their their uh, production, their yields were way down. There's a lot of people that had fit half a crop in our area of potatoes, and, and, and especially the edibles were really really down. They got hit hard. Some of the guys and you know wheat and last year's beet ground was a disaster. So that's hard to pencil in uh, your losses with with your
0: crop down. You know, it's interesting, too, because fertilizer, a lot of fertilizer, as I understand, it's petroleum-based. So again, you know, petroleum is up significantly, and then the fertilizer, too. But yeah, a lot of people, you know, they look at the markets, you know, whether you're a Wall Street trader or Chicago mercantile trader, whatever, you're looking at all these sharp increases. Well, I shouldn't say sharp increases, but increases in commodity prices, but then you you got to take into consideration the other part of the equation and that's the cost of production and you know the seed production loan has even gone up significantly yeah. for corn and soybeans too hasn't it?
1: It has um, you know. but traditionally during inflationary periods of time agriculture usually prevails and I hope that's true in this inflationary period of time but um, we'll see it's uh, just as long as these commodity prices can hold up. Another guy asked me is what's going on some of these prices have risen commodity prices in harvest which is unusual and he says is there something going on out there that we all don't know about? Well i talk to some marketing ex- experts, which I'm not. And they maybe said there's maybe one or $2 wiggle room in it, but they think it's kind of, it, it's kind of stabilized where it's at right now, which is, uh, I think a good thing.
0: Yeah. And then also the cost of new equipment, obviously, uh, if you want to buy a new tractor, a new combine, obviously the cost of all that is sharply increased over the last four or five years. So we continue to see that. So, you know, it's like anything in business, it becomes a great balancing act. You know, you're you're, you're managing expectation, you're managing risk, you're managing reward. You're trying to do the best that you possibly can to create those economies of scale at work. You know, and every operation is different. It's all governed by economics, but again, by a person's acumen and ability to manage probably risk more than opportunity because a lot of people don't forget. They forget that. That's a big component, especially in agriculture.
1: There, there's so many people in farming <clears throat> that are, uh... They they farm for a living, not uh, it's it's a they farm for a way of life than a living. And uh, I used maybe many years I was guilty of that as well. But now it's more of a numbers game. But that's um, unfortunate. There's so many people that it's it's, a, it's part of their livelihood, and uh, they'll uh, do some things that maybe in other businesses they wouldn't that, that don't pencil out or the return on your investment, your return on your assets. A lot of farmers probably don't look at it like they probably should. Otherwise, these land rent prices wouldn't be where they are, and uh, there'd probably be less of us. Uh, the demand but but you know you've done a phenomenal job in your auctioneering both land and equipment um, so I can kind of blame you for these high land prices but, and this equipment prices.
0: Well, I so. appreciate that. What's us switch to something to something else. So, <laughs> That's yeah. a good thing if you're yeah, selling. Yeah. So. I, I would like to take the blame or the credit for that, but I can't, obviously. Mm-hmm. But no, it's good to be, a. I call it a facilitator. We're the facilitator of all of that, which, uh, you know, we were privileged to be a part of that part of the equation for buying and selling land and equipment. And, you know, our staff does a great job and we appreciate it. You know, it's interesting, Tom, you know, when you take a look back now to to covid and how it affected a lot of the population throughout, not, not only the United States, but throughout the world. Um, really in agriculture, you know, I was really impressed during all of COVID. Agriculture really didn't skip a beat for the most part, as far as their ability to stay focused and disciplined and the tenacity to, to go out there and keep, you know, raising great cattle herds, uh, keeping those genetics in place, raising phenomenal crops, Uh, going out there against all the adversity and obstacles. But, you know, agriculture, you know, for the most part, I mean, it stayed on track. It stayed focused. Uh, Food safety has always been a big issue. They stepped up their game when it came to food safety and that type of thing. So all the way from the production side to the processing side, you know, I really think one of the unheralded success stories of COVID and how we came out of that is agriculture.
1: Agriculture is, you know, I always say it's without a doubt, not just because I'm a farmer, but it's it's the most important industry because you food supersedes anything else more than gasoline or even your housing, and uh, it's it's timely. You know, you you plant and you, you can't take a month off in the middle of the summer or, are shipping a certain product. So we we had to stay on track, and I think um, a lot of the things we were exempt from having to uh, like our wash plants and stuff. We just you know moved on normal production didn't, uh, COVID didn't hit us too hard. We were pretty fortunate and actually when it first hit, you know, a year, not this spring, but the spring before, our, for the, the fresh production, we had huge demand. The grocery stores are just wiped out. if you remember that potatoes was a, uh, almost second place to to a toilet paper there for a while. We, we couldn't keep up, but then it caught up and then it actually was a lag time. We were overproduced, so we, we lost some of that sale. But, but agriculture and food products, thank goodness, it's, it's, uh, it's always, had to maintain because that's a pretty staple. Yeah. Everybody industry. has to eat, right? Yeah, three times a day.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. And drink wine, right, Carolyn?
2: Absolutely.
0: Three times a day. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. You talked last week about putting wine in your coffee cup. So
0: there you go. Right. Morning. morning Night. Right. I gotta gotta try that,
1: Kevin, so you can see. I thought it was (laughs) black black coffee you're
0: drinking. That's my secret in the morning. You guys always thought I was just full of life in the morning, but no, I got a little secret in my cup. Right.
2: (laughs) that's funny.
1: So he's a wino with coffee.
0: Yeah. A
2: wino. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it goes
0: with any kind of coffee too. So that's that's the best part of it. Carolyn, uh, COVID and and viticulture, the wine industry, you guys survived that pretty well, too. You know, obviously there were a Mm -hmm. lot of, you know, shut down a lot of the tasting rooms, obviously, Mm -hmm. at the wineries and some of the great wineries all over America. You know, and we've traveled together to Napa and Sonoma and, and, you know, sat at Charles Krug, the oldest winery in Napa Valley and other Mm -hmm. wineries, but, you know, basically shut down for a year and a half. So, again, uh, that that changed the industry a little bit, but shipments as far as, you know, what you sold were pretty good.
2: Yeah, I mean, it just had us. we had to reimagine kind of our whole business as far as the tasting room goes. So, we really opened up our lawn. We did like a more to-go lawn service. And then instead of like a tasting at the bar, you would do tableside side tasting. So we got cute little containers and just note cards. And, you know, it wasn't as personable, which was kind of the sad part about it. But people were still able to kind of sit in their own space and enjoy wine tastings. But actually just the other week, Mo and I did like a traditional wine tasting at the bar with face to face with someone. And that was really nice. So you're definitely starting to see that come back, which is good.
1: Was, was consumption of uh, wine up it was
2: yeah. way up so we actually had to up our production um at the winery i work at and end up buying a lot more fruit just to keep up with the demand i think crazy. your dad personally
0: helped that yeah <laughs> i think
2: he made a big dent in in the sales well for people sure. i hear i heard
0: people were putting wine in their coffee during covid <laughs> yeah those
2: are weirdos <laughs>
0: carolyn you're gonna try it okay i'm gonna try it i know that
2: so. <laughs> no one will ever know
0: Carolyn Piper, the American Wine Girls in studio as a co-host today, and Tom Campbell, one of our great guests, and we've had him in studio before, kind of giving us a little bit of rundown here on agriculture this year, production cost, and the 2021 potato crop, talking about all types of things, interest rates and everything else, and lots of interesting things going to happen in American agriculture over the course of the next 12 months. So certainly appreciate these two experts being in studio today, folks here. Listening to America's Land Auctioneer, I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. we got one segment to go, but before we do that, I want to thank the entire staff over at Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Land Management. Their team of Pfeiffer's farmland managers, equipment and land auctioneers, and real estate agents are the best in the business. Nobody does it better than them, and you can email them at info at com if you want to buy land or sell land. Or you can go to their website at com, or call them toll-free, 877-700-4099. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. We'll be right back after this break.
3: I'm going 35 and I have sold it to you right there. Good purchase, great, Bye. I've been on here now fifty thousand dollar bid now twenty five bid thirty. I'm twenty five dollars bid now 25 bid 30 i am 25 dollars on 30 and thirty thousand dollars here now. Thirty thousand dollar bid and now five
0: thousand. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Piper, America's Land Auctioneer. Hey, what a great show we've had today. I appreciate Carolyn Piper, the American Wine Girl being in studio today with us. Carolyn, you've had a great last couple of weeks here. I appreciate you being the co-host of the show.
2: Yeah, it's always fun to be back in Fargo. So thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you being here and appreciate all the time we've been able to spend with you over the course of the last couple of days here. It's been great, uh, great to see you and obviously go out and get some really good wine pairings and uh oh, some yeah. food and everything and tom campbell's with us one of the great entrepreneurs in north dakota history with us today talking about production agriculture and banking and uh one thing we haven't touched on yet tom wanted to visit with you a little bit about real estate investing and i know you're big into commercial real estate development investing and and also own farmland obviously and again kind of probably torn a little bit there over the years, obviously. Uh, you know, farmland is a great hard asset to have. It's 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 a good I would say way to muscle build your balance sheet and to have that asset in there, especially if you want to go borrow money. Lenders like it obviously, but commercial real estate really has taken off over the course of the last 20 years too and it's I can't remember the exact number, but it's like 60% of all American households now. Are invested into REITs, real estate investment trusts, and they don't even know it because they're invested in their four hundred one k or their defined benefit plans or whatever. But commercial real estate has really taken off over the last ten years, hasn't it?
1: It's it's more of a steady, <clears throat> predictable income where you know land is is and it's a little bit more of a return. Land is less of the return sometimes two and three times less, but that's a good divers a good diversification to have. Um, a lot of people have made a lot of money. Some of the big people that you know and the billionaires have made it in real estate, and it's a good a good diversification. It's just been a good way to make money. Um, you know, lands also a good asset. We have land as well, but um, it's just more of return uh, and it's more predictable than than land for us. It's been.
0: Yeah, and, you, and you're starting to see the proliferation of REITs, whether they're closely held or public REITs throughout the country, and the the billions and billions of dollars invested in those. And I know, like a lot of people, a lot of our clients are baby boomers who are entering that stage of their life where they're starting to liquidate their farmland, but then also realizing that part of the equation is the capital gain tax ramification. They have to pay those obviously, or defer them and they can defer them into perpetuity if they'd like through a 1031 exchange into a REIT, a real estate investment trust. But uh, you know, billions of dollars a year that are being invested through that particular IRS I shouldn't say loophole, it's a legal part of uh, doing a tax-deferred exchange, but, you know, if that were to go away, it could potentially change the landscape for the commercial real estate world, couldn't it? Oh,
1: well, Without a doubt, that's what's driving that, is that 1031, you know, tax <coughs> diversion, and also the, divers- the diversification. If you buy X of $100 in a REIT, they're spread over many, many buildings instead of just one. So those are two huge advantages. And and we may, with the increase, uh, with this Biden administration, increased taxes, um, the the basis is a whole another issue. If they change that basis on what you pay, that's that's more of an issue to me than the tax rate. There's lots of things that they're going to be hammering on the taxes. So uh, um, a lot of those things might go away, and it might not be as attractive to be in a read.
0: You know, are you concerned at all that you know? And there's a lot of discussions, and and again, I want to avoid the political part of it. But are you concerned at all about the? Uh, the elimination of the stepped up basis or the lowering of the death tax or anything like that. I mean, are those concerns for someone like you who's you're you're in production agriculture, you're, you're in banking, you're in real estate development. Is that a big concern that you have right now? What's out on the horizon?
1: Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt, that would change the next uh, generation's farming. They wouldn't be able to afford it. So that's a huge, and that's something that's been targeted many, many times. And it's always been targeted. So, that's, uh, I just hope that doesn't happen, but it looks like it, it's going to. They've been targeting that, so very, very concerned about that.
0: You know, the, the, the stepped-up basis has obviously been almost like an estate planning tool for farm families, hasn't it? Because really, when you think about it, and again, for those of you listening, the stepped-up basis basically is that at the date of the last survivor, uh, you get to revalue the asset, and usually in farm country, it's farm land, uh, at market value at the date of the last survivor. And that becomes your new cost basis. So again, it's kind of been a, a default estate planning tool for many, many families. Now, if that goes away, uh, estate attorneys are going to become very, very busy. And there could be a whole different strategy as to how fa- farm families are going to manage their asset holdings, and particularly farmland. And it could be iron too their farm equipment, but that could all change the landscape pretty quickly. And
1: that's a sleeper. A lot of people don't understand that, but <clears throat> your basis, if you inherit or get some land and it's uh, within a, a year or two, you you can, if it's, let's say it's worth $8,000 an acre, you can value it at $8,000 an acre, so your basis is zero. So your tax, I don't care what your tax rate, if it goes from 23 to 28 or even 50%, it doesn't matter because 50% of zero is zero. So That's a huge, that's a silent sleeper that people aren't aware of. Uh, I am more interested in the basis than I am the tax rate because they're both important. But so, the, and they're looking at, 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 you know, going away with that, which would be a huge, that would stop a lot of transfers. It would, it would be a, a, a huge nightmare for, you know, generations to transfer it or to put it into read and so forth.
0: And, and you talk about an engine to slow down the economy. I mean, that could certainly slow down the, the growth of the economy, especially the, real, the commercial real estate industry, since we see so much of that taking place and the transfer, through a 1031 exchange or whatever it might be. So, you know, hopefully hopefully Congress will uh, come to some sort of agreement that's reasonable. You know, we live in a tax environment now that um, is somewhat volatile. Uh, I'm not going to say it's, it's outrageous. The capital gain tax rate really in America right now uh, really isn't all that bad when you think about it, where we are today. You know, basically the basis is, I think if you're, Married and filing jointly, it's if anything over $250,000, you are at roughly 15% or whatever that rate is. Uh, so again, compared to the effective ordinary uh, tax income rates, um, you're, you're half or well below half of that. So again, if we can stay in that range, uh, obviously you have to add on your state capital gain tax because uh, the capital gain tax is a progressive tax, so it goes on top of your adjusted gross income. So that does become a part of all of that. But again, if we can keep it somewhat within the range of where we are, we're probably going to be in pretty good shape and keep that, like you and I talked about, keep that uh, that basis in place. You know, that would certainly help a lot, wouldn't it?
1: I think so. And I think the taxes, it's debatable and this, a lot of these new <clears throat> structured bills may not happen uh, because it's very debatable. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully it won't change too much, but if it goes up somewhat, I think that's okay too.
0: Carolyn, your generation has to stay on top of all of these tax changes and everything obviously and uh, uh you know it's a it's a big part of uh capital uh, living in a capitalistic society, obviously. And, uh, you've seen some changes in your young career. And like I told somebody earlier, I wasn't going to tell your age, but I can just, you know, tell everybody you're somewhere between 25 and 27 years of age, right?
2: Somewhere in between there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: We need you to pay off this
2: 29 trillion of debt. We need your generation. That is just stressful to think about.
0: It is when you think about all the debt, right? I mean, in your generation, obviously, so you got, you know, think it's kind of scary in a way, isn't it?
2: Yeah, Yeah. I don't, it, yeah. It's
1: it was interesting. I was lot. at a governor fundraiser uh, a couple of weeks ago in Fargo, and uh, the three governors, North Dakota and South Dakota, made a comment about what are we gonna do with this outside money that the federal is going to give to each state. And Doug Burgum did a good job, and Christine Noem with traditional infrastructure, but the uh, Montana governor made a comment about, first of all, we shouldn't have got it, but he says, since we got it, I'm going to try to direct everything possible for long-term things that my grandkids would benefit now because we're screwing up their future generation. And I thought that I really respect that for an answer because a lot of people kind of forget about your
0: future mm-hmm. generation.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, that that that's a good point that they brought up, and it certainly can be appreciated. Well, Carolyn, it's been great having you in studio. Thank you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good to be here. Hopefully well, I can join again in the near
0: future. When are you going to be back to North Dakota?
2: In December, actually.
0: Awesome. You be Yeah, you'll be back. Your brother, Jack, is graduating, graduating. from from the flagship university, mm-hmm. the University of <laughs> North Dakota. Tom well, we don't want to get into that, do we? No. <laughs> Tom, thanks for being here. Appreciate <laughs> Thank it. Thank you
1: for the invite. It was yeah. a blast. A yeah. lot of fun. Take yeah,
0: Carolyn Pfeiffer and Tom Campbell, two of my favorites. Thank you for being here. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Piper. America's Land Auctioneer. I want to thank all the staff at Pipers Auction Realty and Pipers Land Management for being with us. You can get a hold of the Pipers Equipment and Land Auctioneers and farm real estate agents by logging on to Pipers.com or email them at info at infopers.com or call them at 877 700 4099 Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. We'll look forward to being with you next now week. 1000 dollars bit now, now Nine dollars here, now one.